Is he just covering up for ownership or is he telling the truth? Farhan Zaidi in his end of season press conference basically said that there isn't some kind of cap on payroll spending for the Giants and that if he does a good enough job convincing ownership to invest in a certain player that they will be willing to do it. But there's a certain pattern that suggests otherwise. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites, Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, so please check us out there, and please hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you're following the show Locked on Giants. And oh, by the way, um, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And coming up on today's show, more mailbag questions. I was hoping we would have some juicy managerial updates, managerial search updates for you, but we don't. Those will come at some point and all the more reason to come back each and every day because we do Monday through Friday shows. And if it's whispered, that's I'm like stealing the tagline from from another website. I'm not going to do that, actually. So anyway, just come back tomorrow. The first question today, though, in our mailbag show is from Raroni Mod, who says, what do you make of Farhan Zaidi insisting that there's no spending limit and it falls on him to basically make a case to ownership for why they should spend X money on X player? Is he being forced to cover for ownership or is there some real flexibility we have yet to see in practice? So this is a good question and it's one that I can't like give a definitive answer it's kind of an opinion right because uh the fact is we don't they don't tell us the truth they don't give us all the information but what I can say is that there has been a clear pattern so when Farhan Zaidi took over the the 20 according to roster resource which is up on fan graphs they you know there's two different types of payroll there's like your actual payroll for the year. And then there's like the luxury tax payroll. Oh my gosh. I I, I really shouldn't even bring this up. We're just going to go with the non-luxury tax payroll, even though it might be better. Oh my gosh. Never mind. But it when Farhan Zaidi took over, the 2018 team, according to Roster Resource, cost about $203 million. And then in 2019, Farhan Zaidi's first year, that went down to 186, so it went quite a bit down. And then in 2020, the estimated payroll was 141 million, down from 186. And keep in mind with 2020 is that it was the COVID season, and that so that number was actually much lower. It, so they they ended up paying only 
prorated salaries, but and the other huge thing is that Buster Posey opted out of that season, and so they would have owed him like twenty million dollars ish, but he didn't play, and so they didn't pay him anything, and so it would have been about one hundred sixty. So another significant decrease from one eighty six, and then in twenty twenty one. From what I'm saying, it would have been about 160 had Posey not opted out and had it been a normal season. In 2021, they spent 162 million, according to roster resource. And then in 2022, they spent 162 million again, exactly according to roster resource, the exact same amount two years in a row. And then in 2023, the estimate here is 196 million. And you might go, wow, okay, they upped it by 30 plus million dollars but i've made this point over and over that uh each team got about 30 million dollars from mlb selling its remaining shares of bam tech which they owned to disney which has like bought them out on this and so they sold it for like 900 million dollars and each they just split it up 30 ways i think and and sent 30 million dollars to each team and Giants ownership has like they've literally said our goal is to break even. So I guess that's what um, my response is like, I don't think, of course, there's not some infinite spending like willingness to spend because they keep saying our goal financially is to break even. And so if and so it seems that the break even point is about one hundred and sixty million right now. But this year, in 2023, it was about $190 million because they got an extra $30 million bucks. And so that seems like really simple and logical to me. And it's been a pattern ever since Zaidi took over. It decreased, 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 and then stabilized at, at around 160 And only this most recent season did it go up by $30 million. But it seems like not a coincidence that that aligns with the them getting an extra $30 million from the sale of BAMTech. Anyway, so all of that to say, there's one other, I have one other thing to say about this, which is that in that first season under Farhan Zaidi, 2018-19 offseason, when the payroll went down from 203 to 186, they made a sincere effort to sign Bryce Harper, And so I do think there's some truth to when basically like special players come around and, um, you know, it was like, look, this dude, this is Bryce Harper. He's a superstar. He's 26 years old. We should absolutely like go after him, especially because he was unsigned deep into the off season. And, and it's like, well, uh, clearly, he hasn't gotten what he's wanted yet, and so we should absolutely get involved here. And so a, a world in which they actually sign him looks very different. And that, at least for that year, maybe they just maybe just that year, they stay at around 200 million or even go up from where they were the year before. But then they still try to pare down to around whatever breakeven point is. In subsequent years, but like I do think that there is some flexibility for the right. Like if he convinces them, which I think it's it's not a hard case to make. It's like this guy is a superstar. He's twenty six years old. 
you know, the, it wouldn't have been it. The total number looks enormous when you're talking. I mean, it, now it actually looks reasonable. He got 330 million over 13 years, but, and the Giants offered 12 years, 310 from reputable reports. Uh, it's not that much per year. It's like 20, is it like 25 ish roughly? And so that's not that crazy. That's roughly what they were going to give to Correa too. Even though the totals 350 million, it was 13 years. And so the total per year is like only 20 ish million. So I do think there are exceptions. I think there is some truth and it's not just a total cover up for ownership. Um, but at the same time, you can't ignore the pattern. And I will be super interested in seeing uh, in seeing what the payroll looks like in 2024. Because uh, like because of that BAM tech thing I'm talking about. If you went up by $30 million and it was just because you got an extra $30 million from this sale, if they go back down to like 160-ish in 2024, then it's such a clear the pattern will be just indisputably clear. And so that, you know, I'm grateful that we will get to find that out. But hopefully I'm not, I won't be happy if it does go down by $30 million. Coming off a bat, you know, uh, we'll see, we'll see. But I do think there's some wiggle room, but I also think the pattern is undeniable. Coming up in just a minute, that one took up a a lot of our time, but Brandon Crawford, what the heck is the future for Brandon Crawford? He hasn't said anything. Uh, do the Giants make him an offer to come back? Is he possibly going to be back on the Giants? Is he going to be with another team? We'll get into uh, questions about Crawford and much more in just a minute. And before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't have to be so stressful. Why should buying tickets have to be a stressful event when you're excited about going to such an event? Well, it doesn't have to be with Game Time. One of the best things for me about Game Time, I've talked a lot about images of seat views because I've seen the Giants on the road a lot and you're looking at two-dimensional maps on other websites but with game time you get like an actual image from the seat if you're looking at like upper deck or third deck out of six like how do you know what kind of angle you're looking at without an image of the seat views game time has that uh, no matter what for concerts music comedy theater sports And the lowest price guarantee is one of my favorite things. But another thing are these zone deals. And with the zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats and you get an average of 18% savings. So they're just obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets in a number of different ways. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code Locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-M-L-B for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, as promised, we are going to get into more questions and answers. Going to talk about Brandon Crawford. Thanks again for making... Locked on Giants, your first listen every day, every dayers. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to be doing something a little bit different, assuming, not assuming, but if there's no managerial search updates, 
If there are any of those, we will that will be always priority number one. And this should be resolved within about three weeks. And so that's exciting and certainly very interesting. So always come back for the latest on that. But tomorrow we're going to be ranking the position players on the San Francisco Giants from 2023, ranking them, talking about disappointments, talking about the, the ones who weren't disappointments, all that in order tomorrow. So come back to check it out. Next question, though, comes from Cameron, who says, do you think they offer Brandon Crawford a bench role next year? Does Crawford play elsewhere like the Yankees? Do they offer him a front office position? Is he the next manager? Thanks, mate. You're welcome for uh, in advance for answering this question. So the first part of the question is, do they offer him a bench role? I don't. I think not. I think that Crawford played... Like, I'm just going to be straight up honest with y'all, as you hopefully expect from me, that um, Crawford played horribly in 2023. He was dreadful. I mean, at the plate, my goodness, the numbers are so ugly. 194 batting average, 273 on base, 314 slugging, 63 weighted runs created plus, which means... A, you know, close to 40% below average offensively. And depending on what numbers you look at, the kind of shortstop, I mean, defensive run saved had Crawford at minus 14 at shortstop, but outs above average was plus six. Ultimate zone rating is another kind of number defensive metric, and it had him as a rather negative, uh, player defensively at shortstop so I don't know just watching him he's not the same certainly defensively as he once was at his peak to the point where like I I don't know that this is like blasphemy but I don't I don't know that he's even shortstops are good around the league like if you watch other teams like there's a they're shortstops are really good defensively generally um and I don't know that he's even necessarily average anymore and I mean you can't blame the guy he's 36 and a half years old you slow down you just you just like the offense the offensive decline speaks for itself and so bringing him back I just don't see it because he was there was nothing productive about his performance this season really and you know, Marco Luciano, they said they have said they want him uh, to be that guy. And you didn't say, like, bring him back to be the starting shortstop, but they value their bench a lot. A different manager might use the bench differently. Crawford, you know, there's the leadership comp- component. Um, but I hope, my hope, and I don't have a say, obviously, but I hope he uh retires because I don't want to see him play for another team. I don't based on what I just said, all that dunking on Crawford, which I hate to do, but I don't really see another team making him an offer either, or at least a major league offer. It might be like a minor league offer with an invite to spring training. And I think he's above that. I'm sure he would have liked to not go out on a season like this. I think that's part of why he didn't just like say he was retiring was because you don't really want to go out with a whimper like this. But at the same time, I'm not sure there's going to be other opportunities. So to pick up the pace here, um, does he play elsewhere? I just I think he retires. 
I think it's the best move for him, but maybe he'll explore his options first. Uh, do they offer him a front office position? Maybe. Not sure. Is he the next manager? Uh, I really doubt it. And that was the end of your question. You're welcome for saying thanks after you said thanks. Uh, next question from Aaron, who says, Why does Farhan keep saying the Giants are an attractive place for free agents when they continue to miss on the top guys? Do you fault ownership, the weather, or Triple's alley? So my first inclination, and I always do this, I'm like defensive about this, is that they didn't miss on Carlos Correa. They they had he was bound to the terms of the contract barring the physical. So he, he doesn't really count as a miss. He counts as a freak thing. But he he agreed to play here. He was obligated to play here if the Giants checked the box that the physical was passed and it just wasn't which stinks but it's the truth um but my re my reaction is i i feel like you're referring to his post-mortem press conference in the dugout blah 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 you know it's up on youtube the giants put it out 45 minutes long i listened to the whole thing twice um i don't think he said that I think what he said was it was an attractive place for potential man managers. He was talking about managers and that because um, people were we, – we addressed this on Friday. People were um, asking him about it. does his one year remaining on his contract, is it a like deterrent to – potential managers who might feel like there's instability with the organization and if they come on and then Zaidi ends up getting fired and then somebody new comes in and then maybe they fired the manager because they want to pick their own manager um that's when he was saying i don't think that's really a problem because this is such an attractive uh job and he just really believed it was you know it's a marquee kind of franchise historically and it's a beautiful ballpark and there is some kind of level of commitment from ownership to trying to put out a competitive team. You may disagree, uh, but you know, they did like, for example, agree to terms on a $350 million deal with Carlos Correa just last off season. We don't just get to pretend like that didn't happen. It was the physical. That was the freak thing is a freak thing. It's not, it's nothing other than that. It was a freak thing. So they they clearly wanted and they went after Judge and all that. So that, you know, anxiety said there's like a, there's been a ton of inbound calls and inquiries about the managerial opening. And that basically he just says, I don't think that's a problem at all. This is a desirable position. And there's only 30 of these jobs. And so when one opens up, you know, and you look at the other teams out there, it's like the Guardians who, you know, they don't spend. Their payroll is always going to be much, much lower than the Giants. Uh, the Mets, that's an interesting opening. And I'm forgetting who um, who the other teams are that have, I think there's like two, one or two other teams. And I'm just forgetting off the top of my head. But anyway, I don't think he said that recently about it being an attractive and in fact, I think he kind of hinted at the opposite by saying that he needs the new manager to be a good recruiter because they're not having an easy time attracting free agents. That's the that's the like underlying message when he keeps talking about how the new manager needs to be a good recruiter. It means 
were having trouble recruiting free agents. And he has said that in the past. And I think that was more like 2021, 2020, 2021. Because in 2020, we saw huge offensive improvement from a lot of guys. And we also saw breakouts from guys like Kevin Gosman and Drew Smiley that proved, especially in Gosman's case, the next year to totally carry over and offensively the same thing. And at that point, he was saying the tide, he said something like the tide had turned and that this was, you know, an attractive destination for players, uh, free agents who were especially ones looking to kind of recover or like rebound value because the coaching staff here seemed to help players get better. But the last two years, that has not been the case. And so that's a huge deal. And I'm just randomly going to throw this out there again. The Texas Rangers are kind of going nuts in the postseason and scoring a ton of runs. And to me, like I, I, one of my first episodes post Gabe Kapler firing, it may have been the first, was a vote for vote and talking about Stephen Vote for manager. But man, Donnie Ecker, it would be a promotion. Therefore, the Rangers would not deny permission. And if you offer him that position and get him back and I think he's just a guru when it comes to hitting. And so anyway, I went off the rails there a little bit. But coming up in just a minute, more questions and answers, of course, um, including the future of the backup position, uh, backup catcher spot. What's the status with Joey Bart and Blake Sable and Patrick Bailey and all those guys? And then is uh, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. We're going to get into him and Shohei Otani and kind of the dynamic with the two of them. All of that in just a minute. And before we get into it. All right, as promised, more questions and answers. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day, every day or tomorrow. We're going to be ranking the Giants position players. There were a lot of position players uh, that came through and a wide range. You might be even surprised. Do you know who is the top? position player do you know who was top three who might be surprising to you there's a lot to get into and then the disappointments those will be fun because ultimately it was a disappointing year so i expect uh more disappointments than success stories but be sure to check that out and we'll have the latest on the managerial search as well so the next question from terry who says uh what do you think is the future of sable versus bart as a backup to bailey or bringing in a veteran to help coach up Pat. So, this is where it gets a little bit complicated because both uh, Bart and Sable have um, different situations next year than they did this year. I made that sound more complicated than it is. But uh, Sable was a Rule 5 pick. This is the first time we've kind of mentioned this, but job complete. Like, it is rare that Rule 5 picks stick with a team all year. The Giants, I've been, you know, ever since I've done this podcast, they've never done, they've never made it. I don't know when the last time they made it through a whole year with their Rule 5 guys sticking on the roster as they need to do. But they did it with Sable, which means he is going to shed his Rule 5 status 
which basically means the pirates no longer have anything to do with him. He is a giant, and he comes with a full complement of minor league options now. And so Sable this year, they couldn't, ne- they could never send him down. He could never be optioned. That's why Sable was on the roster all year, no matter what. Um, he could go on the injured list, but you can't send him to the minors. Couldn't, but now you can. And so that's a big deal. And it, you know, that's why your question is relevant. Um, and for Bart, it's kind of the, the inverse, which is that he is, uh, going to be out of minor league options. Go, uh, going into 2024 so they can no longer send him to the minors so it's totally switched and so i do just wonder i think either one of two things happens either either they just trade joey bart which i think would be the maybe the best thing for him like give him a fresh opportunity somewhere but then you you are selling quite low on bart which i'm not sure they want to do so i think like if they don't find a valuable trade partner then perhaps the the situation to start the season is actually that sable gets optioned because he has three option years all of a sudden like he didn't have all year this year but now he will and then bart who's out of options that to me makes him unless he's traded the more likely backup catcher in the beginning of the season so it total flip there in in kind of situations and likelihood of who's going to be on the roster now if bart struggles and it's not like sable was like great but he he had his moments and he uh showed that he could hit a little bit and he's versatile he can play catcher can play outfield whereas bart is just a catcher but what do i what was the question what do i think is the is going to happen uh what do you think is the future of bart of Sable versus Bart. I think long-term Bart probably doesn't like, I don't see Bart like playing out the next, however many years of service time he has left, which is like at least four more seasons. I don't see Joey Bart like being on the giants each of the next four consecutive seasons. Um, I don't think he makes it through all of 2023 four on the San Francisco Giants because he can't be optioned. And so if 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 he started the year on the team and they weren't able to trade him, they would have to designate him for assignment and I think that he would get claimed because some team would take a shot on a recent number 2 overall pick who's a catcher. I just think he has enough value that he would get claimed. And so um I think he ends up traded eventually. Not sure when. It doesn't have to be in the offseason. They could roll with him to start the year. Um, but yeah, I basically, and it's just nice to have that flexibility with Sable. Like, if need be, you can just have him in the minor leagues and he belongs to you now, not the Pirates, which is, which was the case this year. He belonged, he, he, that rule five status is very, very restrictive, but it's gone now. Joshua says, if the Giants miraculously can sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto, does that kill their chances of uh, chances or decision to try signing Otani as well? I feel like Otani wants to be the marquee Japanese player on a team, and it could be hard to share the limelight with another. Not in a bad way, but 
he wants to do his thing. I guess it's, it just cuts off at his, but he wants to do his thing. Or he wants to do this, maybe. Whatever. The question is clear. Um, and, yeah, we've heard this from multiple sources. They're not, like, anonymous sources, but, like, even Alex Cobb. You know, he was – there was this – if you missed the episode or you missed the articles or or whatever, he, at the All-Star Game, was talking about his relationship with Otani. Uh, Alex Cobb played with Otani in Anaheim, and – they were apparently pretty close in their off-season workout partners, which is super interesting. And hopefully Alex Cobb uh, picks up a little bit of Japanese and can try to convince Otani to come to the Giants. But Cobb himself, like, he was kind of like tongue-in-cheek. He was just, he was saying things that you no- normally don't hear people say, like commenting on another player's outlook. Um, but he... Like he was asked about because uh, the the All Star Game was in Seattle, and he was asked about the probability of Otani going to Seattle, and Cobb was just like, "Oh no, I I don't think he's going to Seattle because of Ichiro, because Ichiro left such a huge stamp on that team that uh, he I, he said Cobb said that I think Otani wants to kind of establish his own um." legacy somewhere in terms of a Japanese player in the big leagues. And so that fits the Giants really well because they don't have they don't have like that marquee Japanese uh player legacy. And so you know the 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 Dodgers do I think was it are we talking Hideo Nomo was he Japanese? Um the Red Sox currently have what's his name? Oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. The guy they just signed last offseason, blanking on his name. So, anyway, your question about Yoshinobu uh Yamamoto, who Zaidi said in his postmortem presser that this guy's one of the best pitchers on the planet. And then he said it sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not. And so when you hear that, your little bat signal goes off and it's like, wow, he's he's okay. You consider this guy's this guy one of the best pitchers on the planet, and he's going to be posted. And they've also said they're not going to be seeking like depth starting pitching, but that anytime there's front end starting pitching available, they are going to be interested. And so, yes, um, the the answer is I don't know because I don't know Otani personally, but we have heard it wasn't just Cobb who said that. We've kind of heard that elsewhere. But what are the realistic teams? that are landing spots for Otani that don't have that Japanese kind of player history or past or present for a legacy kind of Japanese player. Um, It's kind of like only the Giants when we're talking. I mean, currently the Cubs have Seiya Suzuki. The Red Sox have that guy whose name I am just completely blanking on. And the the Dodgers have a history, I believe, of some significant Japanese talent. So, um, tough for me to say, but definitely like something to pay attention to. But I think if you got 
Yoshinobu Yamamoto, like, and then you didn't get Otani, you could still be excited about getting a guy who Zaidi called one of the best pitchers on the planet. Um, and Otani, he's not going to pitch next year because he's going to, he had elbow or, you know, yeah, elbow surgery. So anyway, the answer is, I don't know. And the Otani free agency sweepstakes is going to be nuts. And it's <laughs> that's going to be a lot of fun to cover the in the offseason. All the more reason to hit that subscribe button and come back each and every day where we'll, we will be giving you the latest on whatever is the topic of the hour as it pertains to the Giants. Anyway, once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thanks in advance and thanks to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow talking about uh, ranking position players. A lot of players to go through and we'll be discussing each and every one pretty much tomorrow. So and the latest with the managerial search if there are updates. So thanks again for listening. You are now... Locked on Giants.